All right. Well, once again, thank you all for being here. And uh, go ahead and open with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter 1. And last week, we uh, finished up our series on biblical relationships with Bob Barrett. And so, it's, you know, it's really interesting. I always know that I'm preaching about what I'm supposed to be preaching about because all of a sudden, the subject I'm on or whatever I'm thinking about starts showing up all over the place, right? So, Sunday, I was preaching on depression and, you know, how to, to overcome that biblically, and we get in the car, and there's devotionals about depression. And the day before, there was articles about depression. And what I'm going to be talking about tonight, today, I ended up talking about with some friends this morning, and last night, I had a discipleship group online, and we were talking kind of along the same lines. So it's kind of interesting how God works all that out, and I had already picked this before, before those things happened. So the message for tonight is called, Called qualified, and equipped, all right? And basically, it's, it's in the sense of in order to serve God, we first have to be called, we first have to be qualified, and we have to be equipped to really serve God. Now, that's a scary thing for a lot of people, and I think, um, I think it gets misviewed on how those things come about. And because of this, a lot of people avoid, you know, really digging in and and, and serving God, and some people never do because of this issue. And so we're going to talk a little bit about being called, being qualified, and being equipped. And and we're going to look at how, you know, God has a plan for everybody in this room. He has a plan for all of us in the body of Christ, and he has a plan for us both individually which is very specific, very unique, right? But he also has a, a plan for us as Christians corporately. As far as, you know, there are some things that we are all as Christians called to do. And uh, not all of us are called to be teachers, yet all of us in some way should be teaching, you know, things about, about God and about Jesus to others through our lifestyle, through our words, however that may come. And we're not all called to be evangelists, yet God his heart is for us to share the good news about Jesus. So there are, these, there are these individual ways that God works for us, but there's also these corporate and collective ways. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at Paul's life. We're going to look at his calling, how he got his calling, how he was equipped, and we're going to see what does it mean for us, right? So I'm going to go ahead, and I'm just going to read through this whole passage first of all, and I'm going to read the first, couple, uh, first four verses, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 11 and read through the end of the chapter. We're going to save that middle part for next week. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Down to verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. 
and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. So, pretty interesting things going on here in Paul's life, especially if you've, if you've read Acts and you're familiar with his background. It's a really amazing story. But um, this letter starts very simply with Paul, an apostle. And so what I want to start by is I want to address the questions, what is an apostle? What does that actually qualify as? Okay, and this isn't so much to set up just tonight's sermon, but this is really to set up all of our, our future studies and really all of your New Testament reading, right? So what is an apostle? Anybody have an idea? What is an apostle? Mm-hmm. A teacher? Okay. So am I an apostle? You think so? <laughs> I like this guy. What, what did someone else have an opinion? Yes, sir. Yes, an apostle. Prerequisites? Mm-hmm. Okay, so there is some special criteria they had to meet. Okay, yes. Okay, well, that's an interesting, that's an interesting twist, spinoff. All right, any others before? Well, I'll take one more if someone wants to give a shout. No? Okay, so an apostle, the word apostle um, in Greek really just means one who's sent, right? Simply it means messenger. And so biblically, what we would normally think of is the 12 apostles plus Paul, because he's not one of the 12, right? But it's interesting, as I was doing a study on the word apostle, we see that Jesus in Hebrews 3.1 is called an apostle. And Jesus being the messenger of God who, who was faithful to him who appointed, sent with the message and salvation, right? Then we see Timothy, Titus, and Silas or Silvanus, and Barnabas all had the Greek word uh, apostolos attached to them. Okay, so they were called apostles. So really what an apostle is biblically is someone who is sent with a gospel message, right? But it's usually, it seems to be in context, someone who is sent with a specific purpose. Or, you know, for example, Paul and Barnabas, they were to the Gentiles. 
and they understood the message. They understood God's word. They were setting up churches. They were anointing pastors. So this is kind of what an apostle looks like. Now, there's also what sets the 12 disciples plus Paul apart as the disciples, okay? Apart from what and I'm just letting you know, because you're going to deal with this in churches and denominations. Some people think they got apostles in every other seat, and some people think, you know, there's no apostles. So I'm just letting you all know what's going on here, right? What sets apart the 12 and Paul, regardless of what we think about apostleship, is that these men had to meet some criteria, right? For Matthias to be joined in with the 12, there was some criteria that had to be met. First of all, they had to have been, or they had to have seen the risen Christ. So anybody in here seen the risen Christ? Okay, so we had a look on that one, right? Um, secondly, they had to have been taught from Jesus himself. Normally, I would say they had to be with Jesus on the whole ministry, but that wasn't the case for Paul. But because of this, because all of the twelve were with Jesus... They heard his teachings. Everything they're, they're writing about in the New Testament, everything they're delivering to these churches, they got from Jesus himself, right? So there's no interpretation issues going on, right? And they saw the risen Christ. They received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, okay? So they had an authority, and they had a gifting that no one else could claim. But what Paul does time and time again is as he who wrote most of the New Testament, wants to let us know is that Paul, as an apostle to the Gentiles, had that same encounter, right? He says, an apostle not from men, not through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, okay? And he goes on to explain to us exactly how that happened. Let me ask another question. Who here has not read through the book of Acts? Let me see a show of hands. Okay. Okay. So even if you have, who here is not real familiar with how Saul became Paul? Okay. We good then. So turn with me to, to verse 11. Paul tells us, Concerning the gospel, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me, again, is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here's an interesting thing, okay? Paul didn't go looking for apostleship. Paul didn't go looking to be called a pastor or to run a church. In fact, for those of you who don't know, Paul was actually an enemy of the church. Paul hated Jesus. Paul was murdering Christians. He had, he had the rights to go to persecute and to imprison Christians. He wanted nothing to do with this man named Jesus, right? And in Acts 9... We have him uh, as Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus, like I just said, he is on the road to Damascus. He has already hold, held the coats as the, the Jews stoned Stephen to death for his testimony of who Jesus is. And now, not that Stephen, Caden. <laughs> He's alive, I promise. Sorry, I got a five-year-old who's like, Stephen? Um, 
<laughs> so now, now Saul of Tarsus is on his way to Damascus to find Christians and to throw them in jail. And yet here at the beginning of this chapter, we have Paul, an apostle. So what changed? What happened? How did this man who hated God, we were praying earlier for the people, uh, you know, attacking America for the, you know, ISIS and these other Muslim groups. And I know there are probably some people that are like, why pray for them? Like, is that going to do anything any good? Well, I wonder what happened with Paul, right? So verse 13 For you heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my father. Man, you got to love verse 15. But when it pleased God. I'm just going to read that again. But when it pleased God. God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So what we see is God uh, is uh, Saul of Tarsus, an enemy of God who was, he calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisees, right? So that'd be like if you took all the, the famous preachers in, in the country and stuck them in a room, and then there was the one preacher that all those preachers looked up to, this was pretty much Paul, okay? He was a Pharisee of, of a Pharisee, and uh, yet on that road to Damascus, Jesus appears to him. This is in Acts chapter 9. And Jesus appears to him, and he sees Jesus, and he falls. I don't know if he was off a horse. Was he on a horse? Did he fall off his horse? He did, right? Falls off his horse and is, you know, blinded by this light. And he says, who are you? And Jesus speaks to him. Isn't isn't it hard for you to kick against the goads? And Jesus begins to talk to him. And I'm going to make a long story short. So Jesus blinds him and leads him into a city, and he sits there and fasts. He doesn't eat or drink for three days. And during that time, God, God gives him a vision that a man's going to come to him, and this man comes to him, and they anoint him, and they give him a commission. And, uh, you know, he becomes born again in, in Jesus Christ. And so this man who was an enemy on his way to persecute the church, God just showed up and said, no, 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 no. Let me tell you how this is going to go down. And Jesus drags Paul, Saul of Tarsus, into the kingdom. And in this surrender to Jesus Christ, which he had really no intention to do, after three days of fasting, the scales fall off his eyes. His vision is restored to him. And he wakes up a new person and with an amazing purpose. You see, God called Paul. God qualified Paul. And God equipped Paul. None of it was of himself. None of it. In the same way, God calls us. The only reason anybody in this room, if you are born again, is because God 
called you out in his mercy and his love. And he says, no, you're mine. And because of that, if God is willing to do that, then you know what? He has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. Because God is a creator and he does nothing without purpose, nothing without value, right? So it might not be for us uh, to be an apostle. It might not be for you to be a pastor or a youth leader or whatever the heck people think they need to be, right? But I want you to notice something. He says, I did not immediately confer with flesh or blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. What is he saying? He said, you know, after God called me into his kingdom, after God gave me this this apostleship, I didn't go, nobody gave me that. I didn't get that from a man. Nobody nobody told me I needed to be ordained, right? Nobody, Nobody told him anything. Where did he get his calling from? From God. And you know what? If you've read anything about this man named Paul, you know it was enough. That calling from God was enough for him to be useful in a significant and eternal way in God's kingdom. And, it's, and, and what I'm trying to tell you is it's enough for you tonight. Don't let anybody tell you that you cannot serve God because you don't know enough yet. You haven't read enough of your Bible, right? Don't, tell any, don't let anybody tell you you can't serve God because you don't have a title or a position. Because you know what? I've read most of my Bible. Not all of it. I got a couple things in the Old Testament. Forgive me, right? And you know what? If you are in the kingdom of God, your title is heir to the God most high, and your position is both king and priest to the Father. That's Revelation 1.6. You don't lack anything in the sight of God. Starting in verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. And I remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, And I was, listen to this, I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. So these people had never met Paul, right? They didn't even know what the dude looked like, okay? But they were hearing, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. That's it. They didn't know the guy, right? They never got to hear him talk you know, try to sell himself as a really good Christian. But they heard about what he was preaching. They heard about what was going on in this man's life. And you know what the outcome was? Can you put verse 24 up? Mr. Miller. And they glorified God in me, Paul says. That's a, that's pretty interesting. You see, it wasn't until three years after God's calling in his life and his personal ministry that he went before anybody who had public authority to ordain or establish or anything like that. Yet God had already begun to use Paul in mighty ways. 
Okay? So much so that though the church in Judea had never seen him, they were glorifying God because of him. Why? They had heard his testimony. And they had obviously seen his fruits. That it was true. Because I'll tell you what, when homeboy who was just killing your homeboys across the street tries to come into your church, if you ain't seeing Jesus in him, you ain't let him in the door. Okay? I'm just, I just want to throw it out there. They heard his testimony. They saw his fruits. And because of that, they glorified God. Um, hmm. I want you to notice, it didn't say they heard his theological debate. Right? They found out he read a whole lot of his Bible. They checked his Bible app and saw all his highlights. <laughs> Why y'all laughing? I like the highlight. Okay? No, 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 no. Huh, they didn't, yeah, he didn't Facebook post it, right? They heard his testimony, what God had done in his life, and they had seen his fruits. And it was as simple as this. This is all they were hearing. I want you to hear this. Saul, a sinner and enemy of God, met Jesus and becoming Paul, was called, qualified, and equipped, and now preaches the same Jesus he hated. So what's any different than Darren, a sinner and enemy of Christ? met Jesus, and now preaches the same Christ he hated. What's any different than patience? I don't know. She's too nice. I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> patience, a sinner, an enemy of God, met Jesus, and has now become called, qualified, and equipped, and serves Christ with her talents. What is any different than anybody else in here fulfilling that role, if indeed you have become born again in the spirit of Christ. You know what? And if that testimony of your life began to be heard, you know what the outcome would be? They would praise God because of you. He was called by Jesus Christ himself to come out of the darkness into life. He was qualified as the Lord began to transform him to do specific works and people would see the truth in his life, which is important. And he was equipped What's really interesting is, you want to know how, how big God is? He was equipped to be an apostle before he was even an apostle. Because being a Jew of the Jew, you know what? If Paul was alive right now, I would not have a theological debate on the Old Testament with his homeboy, right? He probably had the whole Old Testament freaking memorized. And when he became a Christian, suddenly... Everything he had learned started coming to light. All of that knowledge, all of that training for Judaism now became true in Christ. And so God had begun to qualify him before he even called him. And the same is going to be true for your life. All the experiences of your life, however bad they might have seen, God can and will use for the good if you give it to him. And if you don't believe me, you know, there's this guy that everybody seems to like. I don't know why they like him. I think he's kind of a, but his name's Vincent. And, uh, <laughs> and you know what? Um, you know why, why people seem to gravitate towards this guy? Because you know what they hear? They hear him saying, I was a Mexican mafia member for 19 years. 16 of those years were spent in prison. I robbed people. I'm sorry? 
15, whatever. 15 of those years was spent in prison. It was almost 16. I remember the story. Um, I robbed people. I was on drugs. I had no care for nobody. But now I serve Jesus Christ. And this is my addition, and I'm madly in love with him. You don't think that past was bad? You think there's anything cool about being a slave to drugs and crime? There's not. That was darkness. But you know what? God uses that testimony to bring people into his light. And it's also not because it was really bad. (laughs) Okay? It's not about that. God uses our life experience to build us towards the ministry he will put in front of us. Whatever that experience is and whatever that ministry is. And he was equipped because in a former life he was a Pharisee. He knew the scriptures and Jesus himself taught and revealed truth to him. You see, Paul at this point, not, not here as he's writing, but when he first came to Christ, at this point Paul wasn't known right very well. He hadn't, he hadn't written any of the New Testament scriptures. He hadn't met any requirements. People simply heard of his testimony and what Jesus was doing in his life, and that was enough. And you see, without that same love that Jesus had for Paul, none of us would have received salvation. We would have never sought Christ on our own. We would have never served him. In fact, Cole and I were reading just this morning that God is spirit. And in order to worship God, you must worship in spirit and in truth. And before Christ came into our life, we were dead spiritually. We could have never sought or served him. But when it pleased God, he separate, to sep- he, uh, <clears throat> when it pleased God, <laughs> he called you. And you were separated from your mother's womb, called by his grace. Just like Paul, guys, we all have a story. Right? In fact, many of you have sat in here and I've, I've taught you how to share your story. And I'm pretty sure none of you have used it, but that's okay. I forgive you. We can do it again sometime. But we all have a story, right? And here's the kicker. Do you, does anybody here know what Romans 1.16 says? Other than patience. She looks pretty smug. She's like, I got this. I won't make her blush anymore. Romans 1.16. For I am unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Right? And it's a big rap thing now because everybody wants to be unashamed. You know, that's great. I'm not real concerned about the unashamed part. You know what I am concerned with? What I think is great? That scripture says that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, that's it. That's what gospel means. The good news about Jesus is the power of God unto salvation. Dang, sucker. That's a lot of power. The power of God, right? So here's the kicker. In your story, the gospel message is there. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for a day or ten years. In your story, the gospel message is there. And in your story, there is the power of God for others to receive salvation. All you have to tell them is, this is who I was. This is how I met Jesus. And this is who I am because of him. The only problem is, are people hearing that message? 
Are people hearing that message? You know, because I got a key ring. Check this out. You want to see something cool? It's not very cool. I'm lying. This, oh, this is my wife's key ring. Whose key ring is it? This is my wife. This is Cole's key ring. Cole, take your key ring. So <laughs> I have this other key ring. So check this out. This key right here. This key has the power to unlock the Wells Fargo Bank. Why are y'all laughing? <laughs> they really do. It, I mean, it does. This, this key has the power of the Wells Fargo Bank. Okay? So what if, what if never, nobody ever gets that key? How's that power going to work out for him? Not very well. Right? Guys, the power of God is in your life story. But if no one ever gets it, what good is it? I'm not going to pick up my keys, godly. It's not rather or not you're called or if you're called enough. Right? It's not about how qualified you are or if you're equipped enough to, to work for God. The fact of the matter is that in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are called. You are qualified and you are equipped right now to love God, to love your neighbor, and to bear fruit for his kingdom. Let's pray, guys. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, and I, I thank you that you've been putting things in my life, you've been putting people in my life, teachings in my life that have turned my eyes off of myself, off of my surroundings, and back on the simple act of showing people how much you love them by sharing the work of your son Jesus with them. And and, and making that a priority in my life again. And Father God, the things I've seen have, have been amazing the last couple of weeks. And I just ask for forgiveness for not walking in that uh, more faithfully. So Lord, for myself and for everyone here, I ask that you would teach us, Lord, to be bold, Father God. To, to in, in our fear, still love people enough to share who you are with them. To simply tell them, you know, let me tell you how Jesus has worked in my life. Let me tell you who I was and who I am now because of the living God. So, Father God, I do pray, Lord, forgive us of our sins and guide us into your will that we might be faithful, that we might bear fruit and abound in good works for your namesake. Lord Jesus, I ask that you protect everyone here and you bring us back next week, Father God. And whatever you have to speak to these people's hearts, Lord, I ask that you would speak it now. And in the, in the meditation that they have and the praise and worship we're about to enter, that you would just speak to them, that you would convict them, Father God, and that they would make decisions in their mind and heart tonight based on that conviction to serve you. I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.